Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. I recently attended a community forum entitled Raising Community Awareness About Islamophobia. It was very interesting. There were leaders of the community speaking about their experiences of racism, Islamophobia and general community hostility towards them. What I found particularly interesting, though, was that it was organised by a woman, Umma Yusha Nasrin, who claims to be apolitical, not an organiser, certainly not an activist, and in fact someone who's not interested in the news, in politics and in current affairs. So I wanted to know, how can you go from living a quiet, ordinary life to suddenly organising a mass public meeting on one of the most marginalising and polarising issues of today. So I interviewed Umayusha Nasrin, and today's show starts with Nasrin's speech at the public meeting, followed by our conversation about how she even came to organise such an event. I begin with praising Allah, the Almighty God. Peace be upon you all. I would like to thank you all for being here. I appreciate that you have taken the time and effort to come here for a good cause. This event was started with a drop of tear that is tearing us apart. I'm hoping that from this drop of tear, we can create a wave and keep the wave flowing. We can create a strong wave of peace, trust, respect, solidarity, and build a united community. I would like to share with you some background information on how this event came about. Few months ago, when I read on the news about the mistreatments during the recent raids in Melbourne, I became very concerned about how the family members were treated. Especially the female family members were not allowed to cover themselves according to their religious beliefs, and also the children were held at gunpoint, and not to mention the tougher treatment of the youth, even when some of them were released afterwards without charges. This incident was a wake-up call for me to reflect and ponder over what has been happening in this community recently and the rising trend of Islamophobia. Islamophobia is on the rise because of the way Muslims are constantly policed, monitored, and debated by the politicians and the authorities. On top of that, the hyped-up media publicity is further worsening the situation. The highly publicized police raids and tougher treatments by authorities are singling out the Muslim community. They have become common stories since last September. Whenever any of these events are on the news, the common victims are usually the Muslim women. We are abused and harassed on the street. And however, in these situations, the justice system makes it too easy for the perpetrators to get away without being charged. Whether we like it or not, there is a widespread feeling in the community that there are double standards in our political and justice Sadly, our current political climate is also sending the message that Islamophobia should be tolerated under legal protection. There is a growing movement of extremist Islamophobic radicals. They are actively promoting anti-Islam sentiments in the name of freedom of speech. In fact, the authorities are turning a blind eye to them and even protecting them while they are promoting hatred. This is incredibly disappointing. I also saw that there is a silence and fear in the community, Muslim community, that if anyone speak up against the double, this double standard in our justice system, they will be targeted for future raids and they will be labeled as radicalized by the media. The sad reality is that 
due to the monitoring of Muslims by the authorities, purely based on so-called suspicions, this fear is now quite widespread in the community. Some people have asked me, where is racism? I don't see it, or I don't hear about any racial attacks. Well, if you were in our shoes, then you'd see that racism exists. Let me give you some examples from my personal experiences. I have been harassed on a number of occasions. For example, recently, just a few weeks ago, I was helping a homeless young man, and then another man came and started to yell at me about my appearance. On other occasions, Similar incidents occurred, for example, while walking in the city, while playing with kids at the park, while shopping, and while driving, and also in the train while traveling to and from work. In fact, during Sydney siege at Martin Place, I was harassed in the train on two consecutive days. I was told to go back to Middle East, even though I'm not from there. I've also heard many similar stories from others. For example, a sister who wears face covering was chased while driving. Another sister, when she was driving, suddenly a car stopped right in front of her and the driver started to yell at her, frightening her young children. Another sister who wears face covering was stopped by the local police on more than one occasion while driving, just to ask her to show her face to verify her driving license photo for no particular reason. Another sister whose hijab was pulled up at the shopping center. Another teenage sister, someone threw coffee at her while she was waiting at the train station. There are many other stories like this. When these incidents are happening over and over again, shouldn't we wonder why this is happening more frequently than before? These types of racial attacks started to happen more frequently when the politicians were debating on banning Buka, the federal parliament, and when the raids happened in Sydney during late last year. Then the politicians and the media sensationalizing the stories, such as the Sydney siege, by referring the lone criminal as Islamist, makes the situation even worse. Based on these abuse and harassment stories, you may continue debating if Islam is a race or not. From the victim's point of view, there is no doubt that Islamophobia is racism. Racism has psychological effect. It pre creates fear and mistrust in the society. It affects how we go about with our daily lives. Recently, AFL player Adam Good has spoken out against racism. He has mentioned that racism hurts. From my personal experience, for example, when I was racially harassed in the train on two days in a row, I was shaken inside and was living in fear. I could not sleep properly. Whenever I went outside my home, I was holding onto my mobile phone just in case I need to call the police or may need to start taking videos to collect evidences. When I would travel on the train, I was sitting next to the emergency button just in case I need to use it. Based on the recent events, I strongly felt the urge to do something about it. I felt there is a need for a discussion to be opened up for everyone in, in the community to express concerns on Islamophobia. This is not just Muslim community only issue, but rather societal issue that is affecting the wider community. After initiating the event, I found out that I'm not the only one who is thinking like this. There are many others who are concerned like me. They all came forward and supported the event. Just to reiterate, the purpose of this event is to raise community awareness about Islamophobia, 
and to empower the community to get united against it. Our values for this event are to show respect for others, we appreciate our diversity. And then, I would like to acknowledge that the majority of Australians are decent people. We take pride in living in a multicultural country. We need to work hard to protect our multicultural values, that is respect and tolerance. We don't want to be just silent bystanders. Hopefully this event will set a trend in the community to stand up for each other and speak out against Islamophobia. My special thanks to all the event supporters and organizations and volunteers who made it happen. Thanks again. Enjoy the event. Islamophobia to me is racism because I think those people, like you know, now these days, media, internet, everywhere, there are information on Islam. So there is nothing unknown. You know, phobia is like fear of unknown, but nothing unknown, nothing much unknown about it. And there are many prominent Muslim figures in Australia. Like you know, they are good citizens. They are you know well known and. Uh, you know, we, people are not scared about them. So some people are trying to promote it, you know, just to uh, divert people's attention from the other important issues so that, you know, people's focus is on this issue and so they don't talk about other important issues. So uh, to me, Islamophobia, as I said before, is racism because, you know, when I'm... If you see the uh, violence, you know, towards Muslim women and, in general, Muslim, the abuse and the bullying and everything that happens. Even I've heard even, like, at workplaces it happens. Many people even can't find jobs. It's not that they don't, you know, uh, they don't know much about Islam. It's quite open. Islam is open. Like, you can pick up a Quran anywhere in the library, on the Internet, everywhere there is information. So I don't see any, like, why people should be in fear of Islam, of Islam because Islam means peace. And so many people, like, who are practicing, like, I was not a practicing Muslim before. Twenty years ago, I was completely the other way. Now I found peace, and that's when I started to change. And that's where I started to practice my religion. And I'm in peace. And that's why there is nothing to be scared of. And I'm not, the, I'm not walking around causing fear in the community. So why people are afraid of me or, like, why people are attacking me suddenly. It's because someone at the top of the country, you know, they are the federal parliament, they are abusing their position and authority, and they are just, you know, creating all this fear in the community, this fear-mongering activities that they are doing from the top, and the media is, you know, using it. Uh, because they know that, you know, people will be listening to it. Their papers will be sold out, things like that. So, you know, everything is contributing to the rise of this uh, uh, trend of Islamophobia. And, that's, and then we are the victim. You know, whenever we get out of the house, we, we get affected by all this. Even though I'm trying to live a normal, peaceful life. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I basically, you know, the re- I was telling you before that I'm quite ignorant. Of 10 years, I don't have any TV, and I hardly read newspaper. But only time I started reading about all this is that when I'm attacked, when I'm hearing, like when I go to all these, uh, you know, all the supporting organizations, some of the organizations have their events. I go there and I meet uh, people from all different cultures, you know, all different countries. And then I saw, so I was hearing so many of these stories. And then I heard, I saw that, you know, people are not speaking out as much as they should be. And that's when I felt like, you know, someone needs to do it. And um, 
No, there is an article. If you have, if you have ever seen my article on the internet, um, if you search on the internet, it's called "Stop the Silence: An Open Letter on Racism in Australia." I wrote that letter on, uh, last October and gave it to Senator Janet Rice and Faulkner Community House. When she came to Faulkner Community House, she read that um, letter. She liked it, and later on, she messaged me, "Can I?" read it, some section of it at the federal parliament. Parliament. So she read from some section from that letter um, on 17th of November at the federal parliament. So there, that was the first time, basically, I woke up um, and started to read about it. And that letter, actually, I wrote three or four days. I just searched on the Internet after, after the Sydney raids happened. I started reading about it, and then, you know, on Thursday suddenly, because someone told me that uh, Senator Rice is coming at uh, the Faulkner Committee House. I didn't pay much attention. And then, but then on that night, on the same night, I'm driving, and then someone started yelling and waving at me. You know, they were kind of opening the door. I felt like I, they will be coming out of the car and attacking me. That's how much in fear, like 9.30 in the dark, at the, in, in a corner of um, Sydney Road and Somerton Road. There, the traffic waiting is quite long at that, at that traffic junction. And I'm waiting and waiting, and they're constantly yelling and waving uh, their head. They got their head out of the window, and I was scared at that dark night that they would come out and attack me. So that's when I woke up, that actually this is true. I'm not just hearing stories from other people. I'm seeing it, how much scared I am. And then I came home and then started reading about it. Uh, went to the internet, started searching through Sydney Siege and all those kind of things, one link after another, one link after another. And then I found all the information I read through, and then I wrote that article in like in a couple of days. And then I gave it Wednesday. Like I started reading say, Thursday night or Friday morning and finished writing that letter by Wednesday morning. You know, in the meantime, I was going to work as well. You know, so they, that's the first time I started reading about it, and then I was shocked. What's happening? Like, you know, how much mistreatment also happened during Sydney raids, and that's when I was shocked that today, you, you know, it's happening in their houses. Who knows? Tomorrow it will be my house. Tomorrow it will be my my neighbor's house. Tomorrow it will be my my grandkids' house. Who knows? So if someone, if we don't stop this trend. It's going to be horrible, the future, but I don't want that. I want beautiful future because that's why we came to this country. We came to this country for a better future, you know, to change, have a better life. And after coming here, if I see things are going, getting worse, I, mean, I need to do something about it because the, you know, it affects the whole community and it affects the productivity of the society as well. That's what I feel. Because if I'm living in fear, how much positively I can contribute to the society? I'm paying taxes, I'm working, and I'm looking at raising family, I'm doing it no, like normal other people I'm doing. And we came to this country with only $80 in our hands, like in 1990, and then we established ourselves, you know, we had to buy a house, and even in the meantime, like kids, three kids, there's so much, you know, we are focusing on. That's why I hardly paid any attention to what's going on in the political side, in the, in the media. But now that I don't have any choice, I need to know all the, what's happening in the... Uh, media, because during Melbourne Road, what happened is that my colleague, he came to me and said, uh, do you know there's some attacks happening in Brisbane in the train? Then I asked him, so what's happening? There must be something in the media. 
Because, you know, these type of attacks only happen either politicians are saying something or the media is saying something. But he said, don't you know, recently, you know, there was some raids happening in the Mughal? I said, no, oh, because I don't have TV and I hardly, news, hardly read the news. So, and I keep myself you know, away from all those political debates. And so just, you know, they have their own agenda. But I said, no, this, this, this happened. And then I went downstairs and checked in the cafe, got the newspaper, and then I saw all these mistreatments. I saw, you know, then I came home and then my daughter said, Mom, did you see what they have done? Then she forwarded me Sister Hannah Dover's Facebook link. Then I saw, like, she posted how, the, you know, the women were, um, like, not allowed to cover themselves up. And then I felt so, like, and then I searched on the Internet mistreatments of the Melbourne raid. I searched with this term. Then I saw this, you know, face of those boys, and I started crying. I was crying, basically, because it could have been my son. Because, you know, the boys, teenage boys, you know, I have a 14-year-old. You know, the boys are boys. And they have these strong personalities, you know, they're growing up, they think that they know everything. But actually, I know how much they know, you know. So, and, and sometimes the boy, the teenagers, as you know, like, even if I try to tell them something good to do, they will do the opposite. That's how teenagers are. In every culture, in every uh, society, it's the same. Like, you know, they're a bit rebellious. They have this strong voice and opinion. But, and they probably, and now these days with the social media, parents are probably ignoring what the, what the kids are up to. But, you know, as soon as we find these kids that they're doing something probably out of the, um, you know, norm, then should we start bashing these kids? Is this going to work? And if I know that my 14-year-old, if I start bashing him, he's going to the, go to the opposite way. And then they're only like teenagers. They have a whole future life ahead. Is this the way to raise these kids in this country? Can't we you know, teach them through psychological counseling, professional counseling, and all those kind of things? Why are we are putting them, like, you know, publicizing all these? You know, they're part of our society. We need to be concerned that... And only like this is probably five kids. Who knows how many kids are there? They're doing this type of thing. But shouldn't we be like paying attention, like what their concerns are, listen to this kid, why they're doing this behavior, and then how can we help them to rehabilitate or get into the society and be a better citizen so that you know, they, don't do, they don't have to do things in hiding? Because that's how, like, you know, so many kids, they do things in hiding because they know that if someone finds out, you know, they will be in trouble. That's why kids do things in hiding. But we need to probably give them a space where they'll be able to come and express the voice their concerns. And then we need to listen to them and probably provide them the right information. Because if we don't create this space for them to, um, you know, open up, Open up to us, you know, to the parents and to the leaders of the community. Like, yes, I'm concerned about, you know, the foreign policy of this country. Because, you know, we are, we have um, dual citizenships. You know, so many of us are migrants here. And if someone is from Iraq or someone is from Syria, definitely, like, if I was, I'm, I'm not from there. But if I was from there, and if Australia is going and bombing there, and they're talking, they're worried about their families, they're worried about their relative safety, and they're seeing half a million people are gone, you know, destroyed and devastated, you know, and then shouldn't they be concerned? I mean, I was not that concerned. I was ignoring because I was not from that part of the country. But then I started seeing that these, these kids are really worried. Probably that's why they're doing all sorts of things, but then they don't find any support. And that's why probably they're getting all this wrong information from the social media and 
you know, they're getting influenced by the social media. Maybe we need to think about an alternative way. How can we help these kids to get the right information, get the right support channel, and build them to be strong enough, maybe in a, give them a safe space to express their opinions and maybe teach them how to express their opinion and, you know, make a change in the society in a positive way. Like they can go to the parliament, they can um, go meet the politicians, they talk to them, things like that we can organize, you know. I mean, I, I'm not an expert. That's why I thought that bring the experts, they will talk, and I will have to, you know, something to learn from there, and the whole community will learn from them. That's all I can. That's what I was trying to do by organizing the event. But bring the experts in because I'm also confused. You know, who is going to what direction? Um, you know, these kids. What are they doing? Because I don't know any of them personally. I haven't contacted any of them since then. But they are. I felt that pain. You know, if if you know, someone punches my face, you know, wouldn't you feel the pain? Like, you're, you know, the white person and a black person, when you cut cut your skin, your blood looks red. doesn't matter what color your skin is. And then I called, I went to uh, a certain chapter price, I wrote, the certain chapter said, go to Faulkner Community House. And then Faulkner Community House, I went there, and met Meredith, you know, that's the first time I met her. We didn't, our telecity from Santa Jatarais' office came. We talked for an hour or two. We never met each other, but then we were connecting. Like we, it felt like I, I was connected with them by my heart, and they understood my concerns. And they, you know, they said, yes, we need to do something about it. Then they also suggested, why not you contact all these Islamic organizations to come forward? But do you want to do things together? And that's when I wrote uh, Felicity, even, uh, sorry, Meredith put, gave me her letterhead, you know? I wrote a letter. I invited all the organizations to come to a meeting, and none of them came. Only one sister, like Sister Sultana, and one of my close friends, she came, but there was Sue Bolton was there. That's the first time I met her. And then I expressed whatever I just said to you. I just told them that, you know, that, you know, this, this is happening in the community, and we need to do something about it because, you know, this, we can't just let things go worse because my concern is when I heard, like, when Duman Haidar was killed, they, these boys were, t I read on the media, that these boys were talking about that boy getting killed because they felt it. They felt that, you know, it, there was some injustice, but they probably don't know what was the reason, what was the thing, because so many things are kept hidden, hidden from the community. Like, you know, there probably could have been video footage, you know, where it happened, in more details, if there was proper communication, probably the community would feel much better. But probably things, these boys probably felt that, you know, we are kept in dark. What has happened? That's when they, they're probably doing things in hiding because they want, probably went into revenge mode. But then, if we are starting mistreating these boys, 10 other boys will be in revenge mode. And then what they're doing in hiding, I don't know. And then, if they really do something in hiding, what's going to happen? Next day, when I'm in the train, I'll get her. So we need to stop this trend. We need to do something about it. We need to change the politicians in the way of dealing with this. But I'm not an expert. That's when I asked for help. But then what happened is that uh, because no one came, and then you know people said, okay, no further action required in the, in the Faulkner Committee House meeting. And I, I came home. I was still crying. I said that I found Sue's card, and then I called her. I told her, no, I think I will start it. People will support me. Please believe in me. I know that people will support me because there is a concern in the community. 
I can feel it, that people will speak out if I start it. And then I was, she said, yeah, then why not you try it? And then I, I told her, like, you know, my first topic that came into mind, Islamophobia, what it is and how to stop it. And then I Sue said, yeah, that's a good topic. And then I wrote, I started going to Facebook, I, and then I started uh, messaging uh, Dr. Yasi Morsi. You know, you know, I'm thinking about this topic. I want to organize an event. Would you be, would you be my um, guest speaker? And he said, yes. Then I jumped in and I called back Sue. Yes, Sue. You know, he said, yes. Then I got, you know, can you give me Rob Starry's, you know, because I heard about him about in the past somewhere. And then I started messaging him on Facebook, and he said yes, you know. Then I started messaging another speaker. Well, how, like, one after another, and all of them saying yes. And then I wrote a letter that this, 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 is, this is my plan. These are my speakers. This is what I'm thinking. And then will you be my supporter? And then all these organizations said yes. You know, and that was, that's how it started. Like, I just had the idea. I felt the urge that I need to do it because, you know, someone needs to do it. And then, then slowly, like I, you know what happened? Like when I was attacked in the during Sydney siege, you know, I, I was shaken inside and I was listening and I was so fearful. But one song I was listening, constantly I was listening to one song. That was, I'm not afraid to stand alone. My native Dean, you know, it's on YouTube. And that kind of a story that and I can relate to. That how a Muslim woman, she started wearing hijab and then she was sacked and then how then she found good people around her. And that's when I felt, and she said, I'm not afraid to stand alone. I reached a message from her. And then I felt, yes, I'm not afraid to stand alone. And then because I was constantly listening to that song, and this, in this situation, I also started listening to that song. But I was jumped up by myself. And then, but then I found I'm not alone, you know. People are coming and joining me. That was Oma Yusha Nasreen, the organiser of a public forum entitled Raising Community Awareness About Islamophobia and her story of how she became politicised and even came to organise that event in the first place. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week. Thing.